Well, welcome to you again. Really good to see you here. Especially if you are new, you're really welcome amongst us. Uh, when you came in, you should have been handed a Taste of Nations flyer. Also, if you haven't got one yet, pick up a term card with some of the dates over the next couple of months. Taste of the Nations happening in two weeks' time. Great event, five o'clock here. Come and enjoy food from around the world. Celebrate different cultures. Um, God is calling his people from all the nations, and we love to celebrate that. Uh, before we get into the word of God, I'd just like us to uh, pray for a couple of things. Uh, this is the time of year where people <coughs> lots of people get sick this time of year. It's just the time of year. But uh, we are particularly afflicted with our, our worship teams at the moment. We, as you, If you're part of the church, you'll know that last uh, term we did a major reorganization of our worship teams, which has really helped to serve us well. And then just from the beginning this year, we've gone to four worship teams with those teams rotating across here and, and 502. Uh, the trouble is that having started that, that we've immediately been struck down, or a whole number of the worship team being struck down. So Nathaniel's got tendonitis, so he can't play guitar at the moment. Uh, Hannah Lawford's been really unwell since having her baby two weeks ago. Was in the hospital for an operation last night to try and resolve things, which has taken her and Dan out. Uh, uh, Donna Ashton had to have an emergency knee operation last week, which has taken her and Matthew out of the worship team. Uh, Grace has got her ongoing problem with polyps on her vocal cord. She's back in hospital in half term to have another operation on that. Uh, Hannah Paint has been unwell. And, and the, so we're kind of feeling stretched. And uh, when our worship teams are, are working well, that really helps us to worship. And the thing that we want to do is to worship God well. So it'd be great to pray for our worship teams to be well, because uh, all these things hang together. So... So can we pray for them? Let's pray that, I'd like to pray that nobody else gets struck down with anything and pray the ones who are currently unwell will quickly get back on their feet. Can we pray for that? Yes, Lord. <coughs> Lord, we do thank you for those you've uh, placed amongst us who are gifted in worship, leading, those who've got musical gifts and are able to help the rest of us to experience the reality of your presence amongst us. And I do pray, Sovereign Lord, for... Our, <coughs> our current afflicted team, that Jesus, you would lift them up, Lord. Pray that Hannah would quickly recover after her operation last night and be fully well. Lord, pray that Donna's knee would heal up quickly and she and Matthew would be back into action. Lord, pray that uh, Nathaniel's arms would get better. Pray that Grace's throat would be healed. Lord, we look for uh, divine intervention. Lord, we pray for protection upon the rest of our worship team and we pray for those who are unwell to be made well now in the name of Jesus. This we ask. Uh, we agree it together. We ask in expectation. We ask in faith to look for you to move and to work. Lord, we want to be a people who do lift the roof off with praises to the living God. And so we pray for a worship team who are able to help us to do that. Ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. While we're praying about sick people, it's great to have Cliff with us. As... Uh, <coughs> As many of you will know, Cliff was rushed into hospital at Christmas, had uh, tumour removed from his bowel on Christmas Eve and starts chemotherapy next, next Monday, week tomorrow. So it'd be great just to pray for you, wouldn't it? I know that Cliff and Amber are grateful for all the people who've been providing meals and stuff, which is a great thing that we do together as church from people that are unwell. But we want to see God healing this man and bringing him back to full strength. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you. Uh, for Cliff and Amber being here with us this morning. Thank you, Cliff, well enough to be here. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen him. Pray in advance of this chemo beginning the week tomorrow that you would uh, be working in his body already, that he, his body would be strong enough to handle the chemo and for it to do what it's meant to do. Lord, we pray for full 
deliverance from this cancer, prayed for it to be uh, killed and destroyed. King Jesus, pray for Cliff to be made fully well again. Pray for uh, complete physical health to be returned to him. We ask it now in your name, Jesus, you who are sovereign, you have, you have power over all things. We ask for, for your healing power to be at work in Cliff's body right now. In your name we ask it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, woo, okay, it's good to pray. Uh, tomorrow, Monday, uh, Monday's my day off, lucky me. It's a great day to have a day off. Sorry for the rest of you have to do normal weeks. But I, I do work Saturdays and Sundays. Um, yeah, uh, and part of uh, our, Grace and I, our Monday ritual is the Monday evening, we will usually sit down and watch University Challenge together. We like a quiz and we're quite competitive and we like to watch University Challenge and, and, and you know, the reality is just, kind of person I am, I want to know everything. And so I want to, uh, we, we are quite competitive, and so we do keep a score of how many questions we answer. And when, if people are visiting and staying with us, we tend to say, let's watch University Challenge together just to make sure we can beat them because <laughs> we like to know more than other people. It's just kind of how we are. Now, that tendency to want to know stuff, which all of us have, you might not be like me, might not want to watch University Challenge, but all of us want to know stuff, and that can feed things in us which actually aren't helpful. So one thing it can feed actually is, is arrogance. That if you think you know more than other people, that can lead to an arrogance, which is not a good thing. It can also lead to a gossip, a tendency to gossip. And a tendency to gossip is actually wanting to know stuff that actually you shouldn't know. There's some stuff, some stuff we're not meant to know. And... If we're into gossip, gossip is about trying to find out stuff which really we shouldn't know, don't need to know. Or it might be that sometimes we just feel a bit kind of, rather than being arrogant or gossipy, we actually are very aware of how little we know. And to be honest, sometimes as I watch university challenges and there's some 19-year-old who seems to know everything and I can't answer any of the questions, I can make me feel quite depressed. And it might be at times that we feel kind of a bit weighed down by suddenly I just don't know anything. And maybe that feeling like you had at school sometimes when the maths test came out and you couldn't answer the question, I don't know anything. And you might feel like that at times. And so this, this, our desire to know stuff, it can have all these negative effects of arrogance or gossip or actually feeling quite down about ourselves. So let's turn to a scripture which really helps us think about this correctly as we think about God. Psalm 145 I'll give you a moment to find it and I'll pray. Lord, I do ask that you would help us this morning as we look at your word and consider what you're like. I pray that you would help us see, see you right and to see ourselves right, to understand more about what knowing really means and the kind of knowing that we need to know and how we might know it. I ask this in your name. Psalm 145, verse 1, page 631 in these Bibles. I will exhort you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. We're uh, second week into a 10-week series where we're looking at ways in which God is different from us. And the theme of today's message is that God is incomprehensible. That's a long word. God is incomprehensible. Now, what does it mean to say that God 
is incomprehensible. It's probably not a word we use very often, but we might use it in relation to other things. We might sometimes see a movie and think that's an incomprehensible plot line. If you're a parent of teenagers, you might think teenagers are incomprehensible. Uh, you uh, might look at politics in the world and think, man, that's incomprehensible. Sometimes you might listen to a sermon and think, that's pretty incomprehensible. Um, the incomprehensibility of God isn't really like any of those things. Because when we're talking about God, we're talking about a completely different, a completely separate category of being. The incomprehensibility of God is not like that. When, when we talk about something being incomprehensible, often we, what we actually mean is that we're confused. This is confusing. And God isn't confusing. The reason that God is incomprehensible is because his greatness no one can fathom. God's greatness is too big, too great, too mighty, too majestic for us to fathom. That means it's incomprehensible to us. We can never get to the bottom of it. It's impossible to comprehend God in the sense that it's impossible to grasp the totality of who God is. You can't hold God in your hands. You can't put God in a box, even though many of us very often try to do that. It's not that God is unknowable, but God can never be completely known. He can never be totally comprehended because his greatness no one can fathom. The only expert on God is God. There are no, are no other experts. And even the smartest theologian is only scratching the surface in their knowledge and understanding of what God is truly like. His greatness no one can fathom. That's, that's humbling. It's also liberating. The smartest theologian is only scratching the surface. Your scratch might not be as deep as the greatest theologian's, but it's still a scratch. It's kind of humbling and kind of leveling. His greatness no one can fathom. I love this verse from Job, Job 26. How faint the whisper we hear of him. God is great, but even in what we, what we can comprehend of his greatness, it's, it's just like a whisper of how great he really is. Just a small part that we see. And that means that whatever we know about God, we only know in parts. We can know some things about God, but we can never know everything about God. So, in response to that, what do we do? Do we just kind of give up and say, oh, well, it's not worth even trying? No. What we need to do, actually, is see why this is good news, the incomprehensibility of God. Let's see some reasons here from the psalm. First thing, the incomprehensibility of God makes him worthy of praise. Let me read those three verses again. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. The fathomless greatness of God is meant to call forth praise from us. He's so great, he's so fathomless, he's so unsearchable. That's meant to call out praise from us. The, and the bigger and the more complex and the more amazing something is, the more we are inclined to praise it. Rightly, we say, ooh, at the big stuff, at the complex stuff, at the mountains, at the giant redwoods, at the blue whale. It's those things that make us go, wow, because they're big and awesome and complex and amazing. And when we come to look at God, who is 
fathomless in his greatness. And we're meant to go, wow, absolutely amazing. We praise you. Because all those other things which we go wow at, they can be fathomed in a way which God can't. I don't know if you saw this, this was on the BBC this week, about a black hole. Astronomers have caught a massive black hole letting out a double burp after binging on hot gas. Wow. Sounds a bit like Christmas. <laughs> Post-sprout moment. When cosmic gas comes near to one of these sinkholes, it gets sucked in, but some of the energy is released back into space in the form of a burp. And there's a picture of it. A burping black hole. Now, this black hole apparently is 800 million light years away in a galaxy called SCSS J1354 plus 1327. That's just mind-boggling, the immensity of a black hole, a cosmic belching of hot gas, how far away it is, some galaxy which is so obscure it's just known by this code of letters and numerals. But it can be fathomed. The scientists can look at it and work out what's going on. They can work out the, the indigestion problem of the, back ho- of the black hole. <laughs> now, God is more unsearchable than that black hole. He is greater than that black hole. He is more fathomless than that black hole. And that makes God worthy, as it says in the psalm, of praise every day and forever and ever. Every day and forever and ever we will praise you. Is God great? Yes. He's great. He's greater. He's the greatest. There's no end of the superlatives you can apply to God. His greatness is unfathomable. And so, as the psalm says, should we exalt and praise and extol him? Yes, because he is great. We praise him because we can never fathom him. The incomprehensibility of God makes him worthy of our praise. Second reason why this is good news is that the incomprehensibility of God, it does make him worth talking about. Let's read some more verses. Verse 4. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. You know, God is unfathomable, but we, actually everyone and anyone can know something about him. It says in Romans 1 verse 19, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Everybody can know something about God. We can know what may be known. We can't know everything, but we can know what may be known. And as the psalm says here, we know, certainly those of us who have come into relationship with Jesus, we know this. We know his works, and we know his acts, and we know his splendor, and we know his great deeds, and we know his goodness, and we know his righteousness. And we're meant to talk about that. We're meant to speak about it. We're meant to meditate on it. We're meant to sing it. That's what we're called to do. This is what the psalm says. Speak about it. Talk about it. Meditate about it. Sing about it. Actually, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. I just felt as I was preparing this morning that we ought to interweave this message with, with sung praise to God because that's what the psalm calls out. So 
if I can have the band back. And we're going to sing the splendor of the king, which is what this is all about. It's kind of a, a song which is quoting from this psalm. We are meant to sing about the splendor of God. We're meant to meditate on his greatness. We're meant to speak about it because he is great. His works are mighty. His acts are incredible. His goodness and righteousness are overwhelming. And so let's stand together and sing about the splendor of the king. sing together. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, and all the earth rejoice, and all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide, it trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. See that verse again, the splendor of the king. The splendor of the king, clothed in majesty, and all the earth rejoice, and all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in life, and darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. This response. And how great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all will see how great, how great is our God. From age to age she stands, and time is in his hand, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. God had three in one. Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. And how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great is our God. Sing, you're the name above all names. You're the name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. Above all men, you are worthy. 
Sit down. Uh, do you mind standing, staying there, guys? Can you stay there five minutes? Standing beautifully behind me. Lovely. <laughs> Maybe not quite that close. <laughs> we sing, we meditate on, we speak about God. His incomprehensibility makes him worth talking about. And it says, it says that generation to generation will commend God. They'll speak of his works to one another. There's an unbroken chain of the people of God talking about God. We're meant to tell God stories. We're meant to tell stories from the Bible. We're meant to read our Bibles and say, look at what God has done. We're meant to tell salvation stories. This is how God rescued me. We're meant to tell current stories about how we're seeing God at work in our lives. Just a couple of things have happened in my life this week. I was um, down in another part of the country early for a couple of days this week, involved in a very difficult uh, leadership situation in the church, real kind of crisis moment, and it looked like everything might blow apart, but God just intervened, and it all worked out. That's what God does. God is great. Friday night, I had a weird dream about a friend. I saw him yesterday morning at, at Park Run. I said, I had a really weird dream about you last night. And he, he said, well, what is it? I said, I think... Um, you, need, you need lots of prayer. He's not a believer. He said, oh, well, please pray for me. God speaks to us. God acts through us. God is at work. We need to tell God's stories. One generation to the next generation. Parents, if you're a parent, tell your kids about the incomprehensible God. Tell them how the fathomless God has made himself known to you. Tell them the glory of the gospel. Tell them things like this. First Corinthians 1, 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not, did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Parents, tell your kids that it wasn't because of your wisdom or anybody else's wisdom, but because it's the amazing grace of God that you got saved. And they can be too. Tell them how Jesus has made it possible for us to know God. Matthew eleven twenty seven. Jesus said, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and knows to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. How can you know anything about God at all? Because of Jesus at work in your life. Tell your kids about Jesus. Speak, tell, proclaim, celebrate, sing. The incomprehensible God is worth talking about. Third thing, God is incomprehensible, but he's not distant. Verse 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. Can you guess which song's coming up next? 
The Lord is good to all. He hath compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. You know, good things come from God. What this psalm is telling us is that God's orientation towards the world, the way God thinks towards us, is compassion. And that is hugely encouraging. So that's the way that God is oriented towards us human beings. Imagine if it was the other way around. Imagine that if rather than the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love, imagine if it were he were quick to anger and slow to love. Imagine how terrible, how terrifying that would be. That's actually, that's actually a much more typically human posture. Quick to anger and slow to love. Because we humans tend to be quick to fight our corner. And we tend to withhold love until it's been earned. God is the other way around. He's slow to anger and he's quick to love. And that is all the more amazing because God is an expert upon us. He's an expert upon you and he's an expert upon me. And you know what you're like just as I know what I'm like. I would not want all my thoughts broadcast on the screen here on a Sunday morning. But God sees all my thoughts. He knows everything that happens in my heart, all the mucky and murky stuff that goes on in my mind and my heart. And he looks into your heart and your mind and he sees all the mucky and murky stuff that goes through your mind and through your heart in any week as well. God knows you better than you do, and yet his posture towards us is one of compassion and love. Wow. And God is the expert on your neighbor. You're not. Those thoughts we have towards other people, well, God really knows them. God really knows what's going on in their hearts, and he knows in a way which we can never know. And yet... He is gracious and compassionate. He's so different from us. He is incomprehensible. And this is good. And so like the psalmist, we should sing about the goodness, the graciousness, the compassion of our God. Let's sing again. Let's praise him. Gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. And the Lord is good to all. He has compassion of all that he has made. 
incomprehensibility of God makes him worth talking about. God is incomprehensible, but he's not distant. How good he is. Thanks. You can take your seats. You guys can take a seat for a moment as well. He's gracious and compassionate towards us. Look what else the psalm says about him. How it's compared with us, we who are comprehensible, compared with the incomprehensible God. That we fade, but he is everlasting. We're fickle, we are. But he's entirely trustworthy. We fail often and again and again. But he is utterly faithful. We are limited, oh, so limited. But he is able to supply all that is needed. The incomprehensible God is so different from us, but he's not distant from us. He comes close to us in grace and love. He's slow to anger. He's rich in love. Hallelujah. Fourth thing, final thing, the incomprehensible God can be known, not just known about. Verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. The incomprehensible God can be known, not just known about. He is near to us. He fulfills. He hears. He watches. And we should make this our prayer. If, you, if you're in trouble, these last verses, well, this whole psalm, but these last verses of this psalm are a great way to pray. You just turn the direction of the psalm around a little bit and direct it back towards God. Lord, you are righteous in all your ways. You are faithful in all you do. I lay hold of that. I believe that in my life. God, I'm going to trust that you are faithful in all you do, even if I can't understand everything. And how can I? Because I'm finite, whereas you are infinite, incomprehensible. I'm going to trust you that you are faithful in all that you do. Lord, you are near to those who call on you. Lord, I'm calling on you. Be near to me to all who call on you in truth. Well, Lord, help me to understand the truth that I might call on you rightly. You fulfill the desires of those who fear you. You hear their cry and save them. Lord, would you rescue me? Would you help me? Would you give me the things that I need? Would you give me the desires of my heart and make the desires of my heart align with what is right because I want to call on you in truth? Lord, you watch over those who love you. Lord, I do love you. The wicked you will destroy. Thank you there's going to be justice in the end. Everything will be set to rights. Turn it into your prayer. Turn it into your prayer. God can be known, not just known about. Although God is beyond our fathoming, he brings us into relationship with himself. And so our faith is not just about facts. If it was just about facts, you would never know enough. This is an exam you could never pass. Because we're talking about the incomprehensible God. How could you ever know enough facts about the incomprehensible to pass the exam? You couldn't. It's impossible. Christianity is about a relationship. It's about knowing. 
to knowing that catches us up amazingly, miraculously in this fathomless God. It's what Jesus said, John 17, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what life is. Knowing God. Knowing God is the thing. And humanly speaking, that's impossible. How can we comprehensible, finite creatures, how can we possibly know the incomprehensible God, the one whose greatness cannot be fathomed? No one can fathom. How could we? How could we? How could we know him? Well, it's made possible because the incomprehensible God has made himself comprehensible to us. 1 John 5.20 We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Whoa. So that we may know him who is true. Yes. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. God wants to be known by us. That's the miracle. That's the mystery. God wants to be known by us. And he's made that possible by his son, Jesus Christ, coming, living amongst us as a human being, as a man, making God known to us, making it possible for us to know God. God, the incomprehensible God, has made himself comprehensible to us. He has made it possible for us to know. And this is someone I want to know more. I want to know more. See what Paul says in Colossians 1, verse 9. He says, uh, we continue to ask God to fill you with what? With knowledge. Pray that you would grow in the knowledge of God. We're meant to grow in our knowing. Once we come to Jesus and what is impossible is made possible, what is incomprehensible is somehow made comprehensible to us through Jesus Christ. We're meant to keep on growing in our knowledge. We're not going to run out of things to discover or talk about when it comes to God. There's no boredom in God. You can never get to the end of God. You're never going to get to the place where you say, well, I've found it all out now. And I know everything there is to be known. And I have experienced everything that can be experienced. No, you never can because God is incomprehensible. He's fathomless. No one can fathom him. You can know him, but you can't know him utterly. And so there's always going to be more to discover. Always going to be more to explore. Always more to enjoy. And this continues eternally. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You know, we'll never know everything about God, but when we see him, somehow knowing will be full. Because it won't have the cloudiness caused by our current weaknesses of the flesh and our current propensities still to sin. At the moment, we come to Jesus and we see him and we know God. And we get moments of amazing revelation and moments of incredible encounter with the living God. He's so good to us. But it's still like in a dim mirror. And one day we're going to see him. And it'll be like the scales will come off our eyes and we'll see with a fullness which we do not see with now. What a prospect that is. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. The incomprehensible God throughout all eternity, will make himself known to us. Always more to explore, always more to discover, always more to enjoy, without any of the cloudiness of our current sinful 
existence. Hallelujah. What a promise. What a prospect. This last verse of Psalm 145. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. You know, that's a statement of intent. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. That should be our intent. How do we respond to the incomprehensible God? The God who can be known, not just known about. Well, our intent shall be that we will speak his praise. Let's be true of let that be true of us now as we come again and worship. Let, let us speak, let us sing, let us shout, let us celebrate. Let us speak the praise of this God because he is so worthy of our praise. Let it be our intent tomorrow morning when we wake up. Let it be your intent in life group this week, not just to sit there quietly, but to speak out the praise of God. It's a statement of intent. It's also a declaration of fact. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord and Every creature will praise his name forever and ever. That's what's going to happen. Every creature will praise his holy name forever and ever. Forever and ever. We'll be fathoming the fathomless gods and all creation will sing his incomparable praise. Hallelujah. Should we praise him some more? Yes, let's stand up to the band back. And let's bring some mighty praise to our incredible God. <coughs> well, how do we uh, how do we respond? How do you properly bring praise to the one who is indescribable? Um, <clears throat> what I'd love us to do just before we sing is just to think of maybe one thing that Matt has, uh, has highlighted. And we cannot fully fathom, but we can praise him for what we can grasp and what we can see and know, and know that there's infinitely more. So just, uh, just before we sing, just think of, of one thing. There's been so much. One thing that you just want to lock in your mind and you think, God, this is, this is what you are like. Um, this is one aspect of, of your love, of your majesty, of your kindness of your grace. Let's take a moment just to think of that and then we're going to sing and respond. Um, you do a song with chorus, as I say, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God.